Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not look. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on a Monday. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Good morning to all of you guys across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. I'm Michael Jenkins live in Washington, D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger live in Nashville, Tennessee. Plenty to talk about in the next three hours on this Monday edition, including last night's Sunday Night Football gross fest with the bears and chargers going at it in la another weekend of college football in the books we will talk about another top 10 team going down that's coming your way at 6 20 our first look at tonight's monday night football game begins at 6 40 with the lions welcoming the raiders to motown during the seven o'clock hour time to preview game three of the world series as the fall classic shifts to the desert then during the eight o'clock hour our analysis of week eight in the nfl along with our best bets at 8 45 and make sure you Follow us on Twitter at Daily Tip MGM and BetQL at Chelsea. What is happening on this Monday and how was your weekend? It was good. I think it was one of my favorite weekends of the entire year because we had all kinds of like family activities where uh, we did, I think, three trunk or treats. I also oh. had like a little me time. I got to go out for a quick um, hour or two, but it's just Halloween's really fun. I think it's one of those holidays that doesn't have a lot of pressure on it but it's just fun because there's not that much to it like you literally just dress up and get candy as opposed to say like christmas and thanksgiving like thanksgiving i love the food but being around like your whole extended family sometimes can be stressful and the same goes for christmas so it was a great weekend going up until the actual event which is the actual Halloween because we did so many of these trunk or treats. It now feels like the pressure is off for actual Halloween because we've already gotten a load of candy. I mean, I have to say just following you on the gram, I was like, you are everywhere this week. I could not keep up with how many events or trunk or treats, whatever they were, whether you were out, you were all over the place. Yeah. And we had a birthday party. That was the thing because we went out on Friday night And so there's nothing worse than having to go to like a four-year-old's birthday party hungover. So I told myself, I was like, all right, Chelsea, you can have a few drinks. And luckily my discipline held true. And I was not hungover at the four-year-old's birthday party, which I think is, you know, a step in the right direction. I'm really growing over here. Uh, But meanwhile, we've got to talk about your costume because I saw one small snap of your <laughs> costume on Instagram, but not nearly as much as I normally see. Well, there's a few reasons for that. Number one is we did not win the Halloween costume contest, but we got a good reception. We were, so everyone knows, we were, of course, Taylor Swift adjacent. I did a solid for the lovely Catherine. We were ketchup and seemingly ranch. And so I was ketchup. So I was just dressed like a big ketchup bottle. So I couldn't have my wallet with me. I didn't have my phone with me. They were in Catherine's purse, which was kind of nice to kind of keep away from that. But one thing that I think that hurt us, we had a great time and it was fun. But one thing that sort of blew people away after the fact was because people would come up and say, wow, it's amazing because Catherine had the, the ranch costume on, the seemingly ranch, and it said seemingly ranch. But we didn't order it that way. 
Catherine took a regular ranch bottle that you order from like Amazon, right? And then she used a red marker to to sort of color in one part of the costume and then bought the actual letters to make seemingly across it. So it looked like she just bought it that way. And so when people found out that she made it, they had like a totally different attitude because they thought, oh my God, you just bought these Taylor Swift costumes. A couple of girls said, wow, Swifties are so quick. I can't believe you can buy that costume. And Catherine was like, well, sort of, but also, you know, this is kind of where I made it and put in the, the, the letters. And they were like, wait, you made that? And so we were like, oh my God, that's crazy. So not that we would have won otherwise, but I think we kind of tricked people into thinking we just bought everything without putting some effort into it. Well, you did put some effort into it. At least it sounds like for Catherine, she did. Um, I did, but, but she did, yes. Here's the thing where I feel like I have a blind spot because I it took me a second to get it when you told me what it was. Mm -hmm. But there are so many people, clearly, who are Taylor Swift fans that I would imagine a lot of people probably understood the costume, right? A, a lot more than I had any guess that would happen. I thought we might go in and it might be crickets, but that just goes to show how much I know because a ton of people got it and the judges like that. So we didn't win. Of course, Catherine's hyper competitive. She's like, next year, we're going all in. I know exactly what we're going to be and we're going to win next year. <laughs> okay, honey. And who knows? We'll probably do something crazy and super creative, but yeah, it was, I was stunned at how many people actually got the reference. And I was even more stunned by the fact that I did not spend the entire evening discussing Taylor Swift. So we had a great time. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, and then down goes the Taylor Swift adjacent Chiefs. <laughs> what a Sunday. Um, oh, yeah. But then, like, my next question is, do, are you actually going to dress up for actual Halloween? Or are you done for the for the holiday? No, because if I did, I would have to take off the next day. Unless you're gonna, unless you're suggesting that we dress up for this show, are you gonna dress up for this show? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Are you gonna appear in full on makeup for this show on what is Halloween tomorrow? No, like I don't want to be giving out like predictions <laughs> for the World Series and like I don't know, like a kiss <laughs> outfit or something. Yeah, because. I might do like a halfway costume, you know, like those five minute costumes that like, mm -hmm. you know, it's a costume, but it's like kind of like if you just took off the ears, it's not a costume. So I might mm -hmm. do one of those because half of it is effort level at this uh, stage in the morning. Because I always say that I'm like, Chelsea, we're going to put together an awesome outfit. We're going <laughs> to do our hair. We're going to do our makeup. Then my alarm goes off and I'm like, eh, how about 20 more uh... minutes of sleep? So mm -hmm. I think a lot of it will be a game time decision tomorrow. Okay, very good. I am not, I know the lovely Catherine is going out to a friend of ours house. I think they're having a party of some sort. So she's going to celebrate Halloween, but I will probably be in bed early being late. Maybe I'll throw on something tomorrow morning, but I might just let you handle that. It's the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. It is great to have you with us on a Monday morning. Chelsea, let's go through our best bets quickly here. And just one bet didn't work out, but you had an awesome week. Yeah, uh, I had uh, Nathan Avaldi over his outs prop over over 15 and a half. He had hit that in every single postseason game thus far, but the Diamondbacks prove to be a wrecking ball for all of these starting pitchers, no matter how good they are. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was a loser for me. It's not that the leash was short because they kept him in there. He gave up five runs, which was crazy. Usually when somebody is struggling that much, you usually pull him from the game. But he still was in this game, you know, in the fifth inning. So half of the handicap was right. The other half was you got to be effective. And he was not against these Diamondbacks. 
man, have they been good. What a series Ooh. and what a surprise. Like, I think all of us knew that the Dimebacks were fully capable of surprising us. Yeah. But yet again, they surprise us. They just keep doing it. And here we go now. We have a game three tonight. Now it's a series. I had Iowa State money line at Baylor. That was the winner. 30 to 18, the Cyclones take care of the Bears in Waco. As for the Donkster, tough week for the Donkster. Had number 10 Penn State laying 32 points against Indiana. Penn State wins only 33-24. That's a loss. And then Chiefs laying seven against the Broncos. Guess what? Broncos win outright in that game so that was a loss for the week you go six and three i go six and three the dogs goes two and seven and if you're curious about double d's parlay it went one and five so those odds of 47 to one disappearing before our eyes parlay's tough to hit let's talk about sunday night football before we get into a little bit of a recap as to what we saw in major league baseball over the weekend not the greatest game the bears Losing to the Chargers 30 to 17 or 30 to 13, I should say. Chargers laying nine and a half points. Chargers minus 480 on the money line. Total set at 46. The under hit. The Tyson Bajan era didn't exactly become a thing last night. Instead, Justin Herbert, 31 of 40, 298 yards and three touchdowns. Empty backfield for Herbert. He looks to throw. Complete Parham brings a tackle to the goal line. He's in. Touchdown, Chargers. The big guy at six foot eight, Donald Parham, powers through to get the big touchdown. Mike Tirico with the call, courtesy of NBC Sports. Los Angeles scores on five of its first six drives of the night. That hasn't been done for them as a franchise in six long seasons. Cameron Dicker, three field goals. Chargers on top 24-7 at halftime in a game that really Chelsea just wasn't that close. It was not close. And I think all of us thought it was a trick that the Chargers were laying eight and a half points, but yep. we were proven wrong and handed uh, what think of the worst candy you can imagine being handed as a trick-or-treater that's what we got if we were on the bears plus eight and a half uh, because it just felt like a spot where I kind of knew this Chargers offense had a much easier spot here because look at the past two games for LA they had to go against the Cowboys and the Chiefs those are two of the top four defenses in the league at least when it comes to points per game so I kind of knew that we would see some scoring from the Chargers I just expected more from Tyson Bagent and yes. company because it's not like the Chargers defense has been great either, but the Bears just couldn't get it going. And we kind of knew that, you know, the ceiling was only so high for a quarterback that played at Shepherd University or Shepherd College. I don't even know it. the qualifier there, but yes, uh, I was wrong on the over. That was my play. I needed the Bears to score a few more touchdowns. I got caught up. I got real caught up in the basement talk and thinking that, or Bajan talk and thinking that maybe he would do something. But I ultimately, at the end of the day, my handicap was on more than just him. I just thought, hey, I'm not laying that sort of money with the LA Chargers, a team that just, you know, that has disappointed again and again and again. So this was a, a very good all-around effort for the Chargers. Brandon Staley said so much after the game, but what does it mean? Probably not a whole lot against the Chicago Bears. We should mention huge news in the NFL. Kirk Cousins, Vikings quarterback, very likely out for the season. The team is waiting for confirmation, but it, it it's 
pretty widely believed he tore his Achilles, left the game yesterday in a win. And this is a guy who was leading the NFL in touchdown passes with 16. Got that win over the Packers again yesterday. Vikings now 4-4, four and four, but this is a massive setback for the Vikings. Oh, for sure, because he was slinging it before he went out of this game. Obviously, the Vikings still won it 24-10, but you could see the look written on his face that he wasn't coming back. And the way people like eulogize this moment on Twitter saying, he waves to his team one final time before before being carted off forever. And I was like, man, the dude's not dying. Like, yeah, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> right. But you could see the look on his face that he knew that he was not going to be yeah. back on the field. And if you watch the replay, you could tell something went horribly wrong. So it does feel like terrible, terrible luck for this Vikings team that was already down like Justin Jefferson for a couple games. Mm -hmm. So the luck just keeps getting worse. For the Vikings, which is the exact opposite of what we saw last year. Because remember, everything went the Vikings' way. They won all of those close games. Now the luck, um, Grim Reaper, has come to take what is his. Oh, man, isn't that the truth? Always hate to see those season-ending injuries. Again, Vikings waiting for confirmation, but I don't think we need that. He has pretty much done. Cousins is for the rest of the year. Quick recap of the World Series over the weekend. The series is tied at one. In game one, the D-backs were on top 5-3 in the ninth. Rangers tied up, and then this happens in the 11th. The Dolis Garcia sends one the other way. That sends Carroll back. He's at the wall, and the legend grows! Adolis Garcia wins game one! Rangers 6-5 to five victors and 11 highlight courtesy of Fox Rangers minus 160 on the money line. Over hits with the total set at 8.5. Then in game two, the Diamondbacks dominate. They win 9-1. D-backs were plus 130 on the money line. Over nine hits and Merrill Kelly dominates. Another 2-2 two -two is perfect to the outside corner. And the eighth strikeout from Merrill Kelly. And he got him looking and Heim knew it. Nine strikeouts on the night for Merrill Kelly, who's got another one, two, three inning. Highlight again, courtesy of Fox. Kelly, one run over seven innings, strikes out nine. And Chelsea, what a series thus far. I, I think the impressive thing to me is the resilience of the Diamondbacks to respond after that crushing game one loss. Right. It almost feels like the Diamondbacks could be up two games to nothing. Uh, because think about it. They were right in the game, the first game. And then the second game, they dominated. So, so far, it has been the Arizona Diamondback show. And they haven't even played a game at home yet. Do you think huh. this is a trend worth noting? Because I think in the last series against the Astros, the Rangers didn't play particularly well at home either. Like, is that something that we should be building into our handicaps? Like, it doesn't feel like a thing, but like, yeah. maybe? I think you make a good point, which is, it's not a thing yet, but maybe it's starting to become one. So maybe we're on the cusp of this. And of course, we're right at the end of the season. So how do you buy into the idea that maybe this is something that is happening? I don't know. We're going to handicap game three coming up later on in the show. We can talk about this, but I think you're onto something early on that just maybe factors in how we're going to bet this game tonight. Coming up next on the show, we're going to drop down a level and talk about what we saw during week nine in college football, including... Kansas fans storming the field in Lawrence. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Great to have you with us on a Monday morning. Stay right after.
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a Monday. Gross. Today, the Tipper Beck UL presented by BetMGM. Hope you had a great weekend. Michael Jenkins live in D.C. She's Chelsea Messenger live in Nashville. Coming up in just two minutes, the Ducks make a mess of that vaunted Utah defense. We are going to talk some college football. Chelsea, I'll tell you the weird thing that happened to me. I mean, it wasn't really weird but it was just an odd interaction some people really get into character and i think i met on halloween night someone who was really into character but also just kind of a strange person anyway and so the person that won for most creative costume she was dressed as the roman empire so she had a roman empire shirt on and some sort of necklace whatever is fine some sort of headdress or something and so I was talking to her and a couple of her friends at the bar when they came in to get drinks. I said, hey, nice job in your costume. And she had told me this story before because I'd run into her for like a hot second. And she kept saying, yes, yes, uh, thank you, thank you. And and I told the judges if I if I win because I, I want to be paid in 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 gold coins to make sure that 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 I can buy supplies so that everything is historically accurate. And I was like, yeah. That's great idea, you know, because I want to make sure that everything is, you know, historically the way I was like, yes, that's a great idea. Also, this is just Halloween. <laughs> I didn't say that. And I was like, you are really into the Roman Empire. And she would go into these historical tentacles, if you will, these offshoots of the Roman Empire and how it related to how she was going to ask for any sort of reward or prize that she might win based on this contest. It was a little odd, I have to say. Did she keep asking people to wash her feet? Wasn't that the <laughs> ultimate sign of respect yeah. back in like biblical times? It was like, oh, and then he mm. knelt down and started washing his feet because they walked everywhere and they were like yeah. the Jerusalem cruisers. So their feet were exposed. So their feet were probably always dusty. Uh, but have you given any thought to this viral trend that she was probably refer uh, referring to the Roman Empire? Like, are you somebody oh, who yeah, thinks yeah, yeah. about it all the time? Because I feel like people were just kind of leaning into this. I don't believe yeah. that everybody's actually thinking about the no. Roman Empire all the time. I don't believe that at all. I believe that, hey, there's this trend happening. Let's just pretend this is happening in order to see if we can go viral. Is definitely more of a thing than people actually thinking about the Roman Empire. You know, when something takes yeah, hold. I, I think so, too your partner wants you to to kind of lean into it with them so you can post something together, that kind of thing. So I remember when that was happening. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't believe for one second that people go around, unless you're some sort of historian or scholar or someone who teaches it on a regular basis, you're thinking about the Roman Empire. I don't buy it at all. I don't think so either. Like maybe I would buy it during the time where 300 was really popular. Like, do you remember when that movie yes. was super popular? Oh and, yeah. Like, every dude was walking around saying, I would have been a member of the 300. It's like, dude, you had a cold last week and you miss work for like five straight days. <laughs> so like, right. I'm thinking that you would probably not make the cut. 
as a member of the 300 of the Roman Empire. <laughs> Wasn't that the Roman Empire or was that somebody else? Oh, God, you're asking the wrong person. I think you are correct, but do not quote me on that because history Sparta. is it was Greece. This is Sparta. Sparta. <laughs> That's a different country, I guess. Yeah, it's like, you know, like <laughs> I think it. we're in uh, <laughs> nailed it. I think it's like you probably saw this video over the weekend, right? Where the tweet was or whatever it was, nothing makes smart people look dumb like a sports category in Jeopardy. And this happens on a regular basis. We have some of the smartest people on the planet. Because I get crushed at Jeopardy. I'll watch. I'm like, God, these people are so smart. But then they go into a sports category, and they know nothing. Like, they're asking them famous pitchers in baseball, famous quarterbacks, and it's just dead silence. Doot, doot, doot. Like, Ken Jennings is laughing at these guys. So I feel like I'm just on the opposite, where I could get all the sports questions. But if you're asking me anything about history, Greece, the Roman Empire, anything that has to do with actual knowledge outside of the sports world, I get crushed. Because it seems like the entertainment subdivision is probably like a worthless category to them. You know, like if you are truly a scholar and somebody who mm -hmm. studies all kinds of things, you probably think sports and like entertainment and pop culture is like an afterthought because mm -hmm. I would think the same thing if you ask them pop culture questions. Like how right. many of those people who, you know, went to Stanford and studied, you know, biospace engineering or whatever a good major is about like who Kim Kardashian's actually dating right now? Like oh, I guarantee God. you none of them would know because they don't think it's relevant information to their life and it's not. No, I agree. It makes perfect sense. I just want to find that one person who is brilliant and smart, but can also answer the sports questions as well. That's a rare bird. Chelsea. Oh, speaking of birds. How about the Jayhawks, the Kansas Jayhawks, upsetting number six, Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful thing that was for me to watch. 38-33, the final. Oklahoma was a huge favorite in this game. Kansas was getting seven points. Kansas plus 235 on the money line. Total set at 66 and a half. The overhits. Devin Neal rushes for 112 yards and a touchdown. Also scores with 55 seconds to play. Oklahoma let Kansas score and said, all right, we'll get the ball back less than a minute to play. Dylan Gabriel's desperation pass goes incomplete as the clock expires and Kansas gets its first win over Oklahoma in 18 tries. They win in Lawrence against an AP top 10 team for the first time since 1984. And you can bet that me, a Longhorn, loved it. Also bowl eligible, I think, for the second straight season, which is a pretty yeah. big deal for a Kansas football team that traditionally has been piss poor, uh, if I can say that on the radio. <laughs> but looking at the flip side for Oklahoma, do you think – that uh, they're still in it when it comes to the college football playoff. Because I do Maybe. think, you know, they probably still have a chance. They would need to win their conference championship, obviously. But how big of a hit does this take on their resume? Well, it's a good question because I don't – it depends how the rest of the season shakes out, obviously. But right now, if you look at the college football playoff rankings, and those are coming out tomorrow, you're going to see Ohio State mm -hmm. and Michigan in the top four, obviously. But one of those guys is going to get knocked out because they play each other. So this is fluid. It will change. And then you have the Pac-12 championship game. So if you're looking at Washington being up there, well, Washington could lose. So it's right now, of course, we'll have our top four. But I, I am curious if Texas and Oklahoma, for example, meet again 
in the Big 12 championship game, and let's say Texas wins, that's a hypothetical I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, all of a sudden you have a, a one-loss Texas team, champion of the Big 12, and maybe slipping in as opposed to a team in Ohio State or Michigan that just got beat. I, I, I would say right now the Big 12 champion is on the outside looking in, but it's a realistic possibility. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially if they put on an absolute clinic and like, something happens in the Big Ten, uh, which I would expect it probably doesn't. Um, but we'll see. I think that's the great thing about college football is sometimes the losses come when you don't expect it. But do you think that this is just, you know, a matter of a team's not going to play great every single game of the year? Or do you think there are real causes for concern when it comes to Oklahoma? Because I kind of subscribe to the belief that you know, occasionally teams aren't themselves. Yeah. You've got to remember these are 18 to 22-year-olds or I guess like 25-year-olds if Sam Hartman's on your team. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like they're not going to be incredibly consistent. So I don't think that I'm going to hold them to this standard and say, well, they lost to Kansas. Yeah, they did lose to Kansas, and it still counts as a loss. But are you really punishing Oklahoma overall for this loss? Like, you know... Uh, with a lot of, I was going to say resentment, and I know that's the case because you hate Oklahoma, <laughs> but what are you taking away from this loss? Well, I said this last week, which is Oklahoma's been begging for a loss for a while now. Mm -hmm. now they outplayed Texas, and but it still took them driving down the field with seconds to play to win that game. UCF gave Oklahoma all it could handle last week. Kansas is a good football team. So I, I think over... Over the course of the season, I believe Oklahoma has been a little bit overvalued and that there is a way to play Dylan Gabriel in order to beat the Sooners. Kansas finally did that. But I wouldn't punish them too terribly much just because, A, it's hard to go through the season undefeated. And this is not necessarily a bad loss. And I mean, you never want to lose to Kansas, obviously. But Kansas is not the Kansas of old, right? This is a very good Kansas team that is bowl eligible, that – you know, can still make a run here in the Big 12. So, yeah, when you hear Kansas, you think, oh, my God, that's terrible. It's not quite the Kansas that it used to be. Lance Leipold's done a great job at Lawrence. So it hurts, but not as much as maybe it would have a couple years ago. What about the Pac-12? Number eight, Oregon, downing number 13, Utah. Chelsea, I thought this game would be close. It was not. Oregon wins 35-6. to six. Oregon laying six and a half points. They were minus 240 on the money line. Total at MGM set at 47 and a half the under hits and so much for that vaunted Utah defense Bo Nix going off at quarterback for the Ducks 248 yards two touchdowns he completes 77 percent of his passes so now incredibly he has completed at least 70 percent of his throws in eight straight games the Ducks win in Salt Lake City for the first time since 2016 and the Utes 18 game home winning streak comes to an end. I like the Utes here, and this one was not close. It certainly was not. It makes me think that retroactively speaking, if Oregon would have won that very close game against Washington, would we be thinking about Bo Nix for Heisman? Because yep. he's had a great season. And it's not like that loss against Washington was really his fault. Like, there was some defensive breakdowns there. Uh, and obviously, it was won by a field goal at the last minute. So, Oregon's a great team. I think they proved it here, even on the road against a very good defense. Bo Nix has proven that he can get the job done. But now the questions arise for Utah. Do they just sincerely have the number of USC and Caleb Williams? Or are they actually as good as we're making them out to be? 
because sometimes we see this certain teams mm-hmm. have certain teams number and it feels like that's the case with utah and usc and after we saw that yeah. win i think a lot of people were saying oh utah's for real you know even with the third string quarterback they can hang with usc but maybe that was fool's gold i don't know what do you think of utah moving forward like you look at their offense and i think we kind yeah. of maybe saw some little signs that maybe their offense couldn't hang with Oregon. I think we just expected maybe more from the defense and helping them kind of like muck up the game a little bit. But at some point your limitations are going to be your offense. And I think we saw that in this game. Yeah, I think you're right. At some point you, and especially in the Pac-12, right? Like defense only goes so far because it's such a passing league and we see so Mm -hmm. many high scores. So look, the Utes have done a great job dealing with injuries at quarterback because Cam Rising hasn't played all season, not going to play this season. They're down to their third string quarterback. So, yeah, it, you know, you can play all the defense you want in the world, but when you're in this conference and you just can't score, a team like Oregon is just going to put up points and you can't keep up. That's what happened to the Utes this weekend. Let's go to Austin where number seven Texas rips BYU 35-6. to six. Texas was laying 20 and a half points. That line opened Texas minus 17 and a half. So all the money coming in on the horns, Texas minus 1,600. Total set at 48 and a half. The under hits. Horns forced to start backup quarterback Malik Murphy with Quinn Ewers injured. Does a solid job. 16 of 25, 170 yards, two touchdowns. The Horns rely primarily on their ground game to win this one. Jonathan Brooks, 16 carries, 98 yards and a score. Adonai Mitchell paces the Texas receivers with 59 yards and two scores. And Texas improves to 7-1 and one on the season. The Longhorns' best start since back in 2008. And don't I know it. Also... BYU is really, really bad this year. Not nearly as good as a record. Right. Are there any takeaways from this game other than, you know, the backup quarterback looked pretty good? Because I'm not going to lie, I did not watch this game. I don't even know what channel it was on. I feel like you <laughs> probably would have had to do some searching. But you're a Texas fan. Is there anything mm-hmm. we should be taking away from this game? I would say that the defense looked a lot better. That was Texas's calling card early on, right? That defense looked like it could shut down most offenses in the country, but they're really banged up right now. I think the takeaway is Texas has a huge game coming up against Kansas State this weekend. And make no mistake, Kansas State is a very good football team. They're right near the top of the Big 12 standings. They're absolutely in the mix. Texas will be probably a short favorite. My guess would be... Texas minus four and a half, minus five. But can Texas beat a very good Kansas State team in us with a backup quarterback? I I don't know. Malik Murphy looked pretty good. But pretty good isn't necessarily great in big games. This is his first ever start. I know Quinn Ewers probably wants to play this week. And that shoulder injury, it's an AC joint. So it's sort of up in the air. But I, I am very worried as a Texas fan because Kansas State historically over the past few years has played Texas very well. So you absolutely have to – that will be the handicap this weekend. Can Texas win with, with a backup quarterback? And I don't know. Well, I think the positive is that he at least got to get his feet wet at home against yes. a lesser opponent because what you don't want is throwing him in the fire against a, a really solid team that routinely has played Texas well. So maybe that's the positive here that maybe he will continue to improve and he will not shy away from the spotlight now that he has to go against K-State. Oh, please, Lord, let it be through. Oh, also, Keaton Slowish, remember him when he was once at USC, a freshman phenom, then he goes to Pitt, now he's at BYU and just continues to struggle. 24 of 39, no touchdowns. 
toothpicks. Coming up next, Josh McDaniels could be coaching for his job tonight in Motown. A preview of Monday Night Football between the Raiders and Lions. Next on the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. What? There we go. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Monday. Good morning to you. I'm Jake. She's Chelsea. You know the deal. It's the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Coming up, it is a nice bounce back spot for the Lions on Monday Night Football, but they still have a big number to cover against the Raiders. Our preview is ahead. Chelsea, we were discussing this just for a hot second during the break. Guess who sang the national anthem last night at the Bucks game? Flavor Flav. Now, a lot of people don't remember back when Flavor was a member of Public Enemy. P.E. back in the day. They probably just know him as some sort of caricature. However, it wasn't amazing, but it was heartfelt. And I have to say, considering what we know about Flavor Flav, I was pleasantly surprised not incredible not gonna blow your socks off but i thought oh not too bad yeah i watched this and i was like you said pleasantly surprised just kind of waiting for something to happen and he pretty much nailed it like compared to some of the celebrity national anthems that we've seen even from singers like remember that one from fergie for what was it the all-star game which (laughs) might have been one of the worst national anthems of all time (laughs) Flavor yes. Flav was above that. And Jenks, before you said that Flavor Flav was a member of Public Enemy, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know why he was famous. I remember Flavor <laughs> of Love on VH1. I was like, huh, this I guy's know. a character. I knew he was famous for something, but I didn't know exactly what. So now I know. Yes. Yeah, back in the late 80s, early 90s, Public Enemy was... Very, very prominent, of course, led by Chuck D. I've heard of and them. The th- yeah, and so the one thing the public enemy did was they were seen as very threatening because they were very militant. They were very outspoken and very political, and that was not something that you really ever heard at the time during, you know, just at all. You just did not hear it, and so they were very outspoken with their beliefs and made no apologies, and so Flavor was a part of that group, and was famous for his, yeah, boy, like he would throw that out there all the time and was part of it. But Chuck D was definitely sort of the, you know, the mental leader of that group. But Flavor was always a part of it. So, yeah, people have forgotten because, like you were saying, the MTV series and the fact that he's kind of all over the place and he's just sort of in some ways famous for being famous, but it all started with Public Enemy back in the day. So it's really strange in 2023 to be like, oh, yeah, Remember Flavor Flav? He sang the national anthem last night at an NBA game. That's something I would never have imagined in a million years. Who was the other celebrity that he dated? Bridget Nielsen. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why she's famous either. Was she an actress? Yes, she was very famously in Rocky IV. 
I believe, uh. or Rocky Three. Is it Rocky Three or Rocky Four? It's Rocky Four, and so she was the wife of Ivan Drago in that movie, and eventually ended up marrying Sylvester Stallone at one point. So they were together, and then they broke up, and then she ended up with Flavor Flav at one point. Oh God! Imagine going from Sylvester Stallone <laughs> to Flavor Flav. Uh, <laughs> even true. though. Maybe I don't know enough about Flavor Flav to like respect his game. Because mm -hmm. now that you say he's a part of Public Enemy, like that was a pretty successful group. Oh, uh, absolutely. So maybe I am discounting him and thinking of him only for his VH1 show. Does VH1 still come on the air? Is that still a network? Oh, yeah, it's still on. I don't know what they show. I don't ever watch it, but it's still on the air for sure. I'm sure they've gone the MTV route, which is let's show movies, let's have reality shows, we'll throw a video in once every two weeks, something like that. Well, it used to be they would have all those like game shows with like D-list celebrities. Do you remember right. that? Where mm -hmm. if you could think of like a D-list celebrity, they were on whatever show was airing on VH1, but I used to love when they actually played music videos. I remember I would get ready in the morning and I would pop it on. They would have music videos playing. I don't think anybody does that anymore though. Cause I guess you can just no. go to YouTube. Yeah, it just, YouTube actually just sort of killed the music video and the internet. You know, why would you wait for your favorite video to come on when you can see it instantaneously? So you're right about that. Also, I always go back to my first big time celebrity run in was when I called into MTV in high school and I got to talk to Chuck D on the air. It was, I have to say, I know I've probably told that story before, but it was so awesome. And then I retold this story a few years ago on the air and Chuck D responded to me on Twitter. So it was a cool little interaction because he appreciated kind of how I told it, like what a thrill it was for me. And so anyway, I've always had, Public Enemy is just one of the legendary rap groups of all time. So whenever you can have some sort of interaction with Chuck D, I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. All right, Chelsea, let's talk a little Monday Night Football tonight. Raiders at the Lions. Little money coming in on the Raiders, if you can believe it. The Lions are laying seven and a half points. Lions minus 375 on the money line. And the total set at 46 and a half. This total has come down from Lions minus eight and a half. Total has gone up a tick from 46 what is your initial thought here? It looks like a game where the Lions should bounce back. Defensively, the Raiders have not brought much to the table. And also, if you look at this Lions team, they have been markedly better at home. At least Jared Goff has been. Uh, at least when it comes to his touchdown to interception ratio. But then you get to see the seven and a half attached to it. It makes you a little mm -hmm. nervous, especially after that Lions offense laid an absolute egg on the road at the Ravens, but I do think this is a good bounce back spot. If I'm ever going to lay a big number, it's with a team at home mm -hmm. that through, you know, the first few weeks of the season, at least was looking like a top tier team, because don't you need that for uh, any kind of confidence laying over a touchdown in the NFL? Yeah. You need a team that you think is supremely top tier. If you're going to trust them with that big of a number, but again, this is prime time. And I kind of advise against that in prime time, but we saw it last night. Uh, the Chargers had a big number to cover against a lowly Bears team, and they covered it with ease. And that was eight and a half points. So I think you look at this number, and yes, it seems kind of scary, but I think I would take a look at the Lions laying seven and a half here. Yeah, I think I would too. I'm kind of like you where I, I, especially after that loss last week, I think Detroit comes out on absolute fire tonight. They're not going to lay an egg like they did against the Ravens. And also – 
Maybe I'm giving Detroit too much credit for home field advantage here, but the Lions have not been in this position in a long time where they clearly have a great football team. They're taking on a team they absolutely should beat tonight. I don't know if they cover, but they I think maybe it could be a beatdown and a raucous Motown crowd on a Monday night coming off a loss against a bad Vegas team. I can see Detroit running this bad boy up. I think so, too. Uh, even though we always try to look for creative ways to play it in case you're a little mm-hmm. nervous and your palms start itching about, you know, laying seven and a half points in prime time. So I think I started with, okay, how do you think this game script is going to go? If you think that the Lions are ahead, you would look towards the run game and who is going to be eating up the clock late in this game. And also this kind of goes up with uh, the matchup. The Raiders have actually been pretty solid against the pass, and maybe it's just because they have been so bad against the run that people just choose to do that instead of throw the ball. Uh, So I think you look towards the running backs for the Detroit Lions, and because uh, David Montgomery is out for this one, it is going to be a Jameer Gibbs game. However, the number is pretty high at 71 and a half. I think the good thing about Jameer Gibbs, though, is that he's somebody who can also catch the ball. So I'm thinking, do I play his rushing yards or do I play his rushing plus receiving or do I just play his receiving? So I think you go one of those directions or you Mm -hmm. could look to the other side. The game script is going to be negative probably for the Raiders. So you look at a receiver for the Raiders You're going to assume that they're throwing the ball late in the game. So it's either going to be Jacoby Myers, I think, because he's had some great games. Uh, I believe he's gone over this number that they have posted, 61 and a half in four of his last six. Or you look at Devontae Adams, who has clearly been upset with the amount of targets he's gotten this year, but he's Mm -hmm. posting a 74 and a half. So I don't know if I want to trust in him uh, to get that big of a number. So I think it's going to be a Jameer Gibbs game. I think that's the direction I'm going to go. I don't mind that at all. I wanted, and when I was doing some handicapping yesterday, the number was not on the board yet, and I really wanted Jimmy G to throw a pick because he leads the NFL with eight picks this season. He's thrown at least one pick in each of his five appearances this year. The Lions' defense has made six picks as a team. The problem is it's sitting at minus 185 right now at Bad MGM. So as much as I know, as much as I, I saw that number this morning and I thought, ugh. Never mind. I can't bet it now. So the the bet I'm going to be on prop wise, I'm going to go Josh Jacobs under 63 and a half rushing yards, because I I think that this game will go the way we've talked about, which is I see the Lions jumping on top of the Raiders early. I think the Raiders will be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw the football. They'll get away from Josh Jacobs. He's eclipsed this this number, I should say, only twice in his last seven starts. He has not gotten past this number in all five Raiders losses. He's averaging 2.29 yards per carry. So if he's going to get over 63 and a half rushing yards, they're going to have to feed him the football. And you're not going to be feeding Josh Jacobs when you're playing from behind. So I'm going to go under his rushing prop. I like that. And the logic definitely adds up. I think the sabotage factor there is Anytime you play unders, your handicap can be correct for 98% of the game. And then they rip off one big run. But this year, he hasn't had a ton of really long runs. His longest this season has been a 21, or no, that's receptions. I think his longest run this year has been 24 yards against the Packers. But other than that, he hasn't had a bunch of huge runs. Knock on wood. Hopefully, that's not the case tonight. But that is simply the only sabotage factor because I think the handicap is completely right. Yeah, I think so too. But you make a good point. It just takes one 
one breakaway, one hole in the middle, and they can eclipse it. I'm still going to bet it. Before we go to break here, do you have any feeling whatsoever as far as a total is concerned? I kind of like the under, but it's not going to be a play for me. Yeah, I think I would lean towards the under just because usually if it is a blowout game, those games Mm -hmm. tend to go under. But still, I think this is a spot where the Lions probably want to pile up the points if they can. Yeah. Like you said, they've got the home crowd into it. This is a season where it feels very different for Lions fans. The team is actually one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. So it would make me nervous, but I do think that primetime unders continue to be the play, and that would be the play for me. Yeah, I'm going against the money movement here, but sometimes you got to stick with what you think is going to happen. I like the under here. Coming up next on the show, we all had a great Halloween weekend, but which athlete was so good that he is worthy of MVP Monday? We're going to cast our votes. That is next on the Daily Tip for Make Well presented by FedMGM. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. Hope you're having a great Monday morning. Hour two's next. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.